Hey everyone, it's Kevin O'Connor. AKA Kevin O'Bomber. AKA Kevin O'Concert. Kevin! Wait a minute, you're not Chris Vernon. No, Kevin. Sadly, I'm not as cherubic or as raspy as Verno, but it is I, J. Kyle Mann. And folks, basketball has been and continues to be so very good. That's exactly why Kyle and I are hosting a brand new basketball show on a brand new podcast feed, The Ringer's NBA Draft Show. We're going to have you covered every week as we go in-depth and deep dive in hopes of answering an ever-important question in the NBA. Who's got next? Whether it's an international phenom like Victor Wimbanyama, or the G League Scoot Henderson, or stars from Overtime Elite like Amen Thompson, as well as a full-blown swarm of talented prospects from the promising 2023 NBA draft class. For sure, Kyle. And we're also going to get into players from the college ranks because this is a loaded class for us to discuss prospects rising and falling. And we're going to revisit and redraft recent draft classes and get into how the league's evolution could help inform what's valuable in a prospect of the future. This is a podcast for a fan of every team, whether you're losing and have high draft lottery odds or you're looking for sleepers later in the draft. We're going to be covering everything in the months to come, so please make sure you follow and subscribe to the Ringer NBA Draft Show. And hit us with those five-star ratings. It's The Mismatch, presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states or 18 plus in D.C. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Looking for a better way to watch live TV? Stream your favorite sports and shows over 95 live channels with Hulu Plus Live TV. Get access to Hulu's entire streaming library, Disney Plus and ESPN Plus, all in one plan. Start your free trial of Hulu Plus Live TV today. Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Offer valid for new and eligible returning subscribers only. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com. Welcome to The Mismatch. I'm Chris Vernon, and joining me as he does every Friday from TheRinger.com is Kevin O'Connor, a.k.a. Kevin O'Palmer, Kevin O'Concert, Kevin O'Climber, Kevin O'Candyland, Kevin O'Blazarian, Kevin O'Killian, Kevin! Berno! It's a good day! It's a great day! As long as your name's not Chris Paul. Um, <laughs> one, of the, one of the great leaders. It's a great day. <laughs> it's a great day for you, uh, because this was... The moment, the moment you have been waiting for, the Killian Hayes breakout, and it just so happened that the world was able to watch this take place as it was the only game that was on. Of all the games that the Killian Hayes game could happen in, it happens (laughs) by itself on a Thursday night where... uh, the Detroit Most viewed Pistons. game in NBA history. Most viewed. <laughs> the Detroit Pistons are playing against the Dallas Mavericks and Killian Hayes outduels the great Luka Doncic <laughs> in overtime and helps Detroit get the win. I will allow you your grand celebration. Well, I feel amazing, Chris. I, I feel, I mean, the last couple of weeks have been really encouraging. You know, the last 13 games since November 9th, averaging 12 points, six assists, only two turnovers, nearly 40% from three, over 40% from mid-range. Killian's looked better, right? Like, you know, we've talked about it for a long time. Oh, he's got the defense. He's got the playmaking. He's got the feel. Can he figure out how to score? 
I mean, when he had the the pull up deep two early in overtime, I was excited. Then he had the pull up three from the right wing, the sidestep three. I lost it. I was so excited. <laughs> I was cheering. <laughs> it, it was a, it was a celebration last night, Chris. So I mean, I'm I'm happy. I'm happy for Pistons fans because because the, the beginning of this season for him was just like it was the worst he's probably ever played. The beginning of the season, he was absolutely horrific. Um, so the fact this past, you know, three, four weeks or so, he's looked like a, a long time NBA player. Um, you know, I'll tell you what, man, it, hopefully he keeps it going. Cause this, this, if this is all he does, 12 points per game, six assists per game for the rest of his career. So be it, you know, he'll be in the NBA cause he's already get the ability to throw accurate lobs out of the pick and roll. He can put the ball in the shot pocket of spot up shooters. He can make that cross court, you know, swing pass at the corner three point shooter. He can defend, you know, Pistons fans know that watching games. If all he can do is score at like an above average level, he'll be in the league for a long time. But you hope, you know, in his young 20s right now, it only gets better from here. Uh, but it was, it's been a very encouraging stretch. And, and last night was the best of his entire career. So, you know, good for Killian. And congrats, Pistons fans, on getting to experience that. That was cool. And clearly accentuated. My, by my beloved Marvin Bagley. Oh, for sure. Bagley, you know, this is just an enhancer on the court. You know, helps elevate hey, his guards. If, <laughs> hey, look, if it wasn't Killian, it was going to be Bagley that did the <laughs> Dallas Mavericks in. And so, uh, look, it was hilarious that both of our guys are the ones that are, <laughs> who have been much maligned, <laughs> so are the ones that in tandem take down the Dallas Mavericks. On the flip side of that, like, this Dallas Mavericks thing is wild, Kevin. I saw this morning that they have lost, you know, it's one thing, people can just, like, look at their records and see that they are a 500-slash-sub-500 team. But when you take a dive into, like, who those losses are, it's the Nuggets without Jokic and Jamal Murray. It's the Pelicans without Zion and Ingram. It's the Wizards without Porzingis and Beal. It's the Raptors without Siakam. It's the Magic without Paolo. It's Detroit without Cade. It's like they got all these losses. They got six of their losses and where they bl- played blowouts teams. Too. They, they got smoked by the Celtics blew a big lead against the Suns on opening night. Like, it's it's guys missing. It's blown leads. It's getting blown out. All of them. Those six I just mentioned, that's six teams that were without their best player and three of them without their two best players. Mm-hmm. I mean, what in the heck is going on? All the while, you've got Luka, who's averaging almost 34 points a game, nine rebounds, nine assists. I mean, the numbers are 8.7 and 8.7. Um, you know, these are like Oscar Robertson, Michael Jordan, Russell Westbrook. Those are the only guys that have ever had 38 and eight in a season. So we're about to the quarter mark of the season. And so you have this historic Doncic season that is going on right now. And yet it is not adding up to victories, which that is what is so puzzling about the whole thing. It's it's hard to have somebody being that awesome and it not add up to wins. I think, you know, Mavericks fans, they they hear from national media like Luka needs to trust his teammates more. He needs to, you know, put the ball in their hands more, do all that. But I think I think that's a little unfair to Luka in the sense that like he for this team to even have a shot, he needs to have the ball in his hands. Like their offense stinks when he's not on it. It stinks when it's not in his hands. Because you look you look around the NBA, three best teams in each conference, Celtics, Bucks, Cavs, Suns, Nuggets, Pelicans. All of those teams play differently, but all of them have different guys who can handle the ball. They can simply dribble the basketball, make passes. Like the Celtics can roll out lineups with five guys out there from guards to bigs. They can all handle, pass, and shoot. The Nuggets surround Jokic with a bunch of guys who high IQ cut, you know, spot up, can make, you know, good passes off the off the bounce, attacking a closeout. The Mavericks, like they have guys like Finney Smith, Kleba, Powell, who can't dribble. They have guys like Hardaway and Bertans who don't pass the ball. And 
And I thought the play last night that really stood out to me that kind of, you know, emphasized this was the play when Luca got pissed off. He like lost it. He gets blitzed in the pick and roll, hits Kleba on the short roll, who botched a pass to Hardaway cutting to the basket. And Luca turned around, you know, looks all fed up, screams. And like that, that just summed it up for me. Like he gets blitzed, the ball gets taken out of his hands, and his teammates can't be trusted to make plays off the dribble. So I think right now you look at this Mavericks roster. You know, granted, there's defensive issues too, but offensively, they just don't have enough guys on that team that can make a defense pay like the best teams in basketball do across the roster. Or some of these teams that we've seen be so dependent upon one guy, right? They have to be, right? But even when we saw the Westbrook teams, you know, he's got Oladipo with him. He's got some guys that can knock down shots and can make some plays. When we had the Harden season, you got Eric Gordon. You got Daniel House. You well, got other guys that you can Luka go has out Dinwiddie. to. He's got Dinwiddie. He's got Christian Wood. Maybe Look, they'll give Jaden Hardy a chance like we talked about last week or Tuesday. The guys over at Mavs Moneyball, Kirk Henderson, wrote an article a couple of weeks ago that I read about chronicling what all the missteps of building around Luka, whether it be through draft, through free agency, through trades. And it's it's rather unbelievable how that they got to this supporting cast. And I think that, you know, the criticism of Luka and the way they play, um, you know, if you want to say that he should, that it, that, that it's, that it's not going to be successful when so much is dependent on one guy. I can buy that. On the flip side, this is nuanced because on the flip side, his supporting cast isn't good enough. It's just not. Anybody that watched them play that game that he sat out, oh my God, you're just sitting there watching it. And we can talk up Spencer Dinwiddie all we want. Nobody cares about Spencer Dinwiddie. You know? He's a solid player. Yeah. Solid, right? Yeah. But I mean, that can't be your, that can't be the guy that we're talking about, you know? And the Christian Wood thing is fine, but clearly he doesn't have the full trust of the coach. Which is another issue, the coach. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if this is just the first 20 games and then they'll get it going. But I mean, this is a team that was in the West Finals last year. With a lot of these same guys that we did not think much of, it's just that this year, it has been much worse, for sure. So what do you do if you're them? I think that article you're referring to by Kirk Henderson was, there's no help on the way for the Mm -hmm. Mavericks. Is that the one, right? Yes. That was a great article. I read that too. I mean, like, what do you do? Well, what do you do? You don't have a ton of trade assets. It, It feels like you have some salaries that are negative salaries that a team would want picks attached to to take on. What do you do if you're Dallas right now? It's a really tough spot to be in. I mean, the fact they made it to the West Finals, granted they lose in five, you know, they lose, they, they beat the Jazz. You know, we know their issues they've had. That team blew up. Mitchell Gobert, right? They beat the Suns where they fell off, had their COVID thing. And then they got smoked by the Warriors. Like, I, I mean, they, they were kind of fortunate. They had a good matchup against Utah. Phoenix fell apart. That's not to diminish them getting to the West Finals, but... They made the West Finals, but it's not like I feel like they were right on the cusp of being an NBA Finals team. It felt like a young team that went further than expected, largely in part to Luka being otherworldly. So what do you do? Well, and that's part of the problem is that they're not very young. They're young in terms of their playoff experience up yes. to that point. Uh, and yet, you know, you're to the point Early in the season, where you're trying to bring in Kemba Walker, where you're trying to... Be be real. You know, I resented the hell out of them calling up Jaden Hardy because he was going to be down the street for me. I was going to be able to maybe go see him play. Not cool. You know? But, I mean, it's like, hey, let's hope that Jaden Hardy can add something to the mix. Um, You look up and down, it's not a lot of tradable assets. No. Like, like, I mean, Hardaway and Bertans both have three years left on their deal, including this year. Finney Smith has like four years. I think it's a player option in the last year. It's like they don't have expiring deals. Like mm-hmm. Dwight Powell, Christian Wood, 
and Dinwiddie's non-guaranteed next year. So those are your salaries. But then you look at their assets and it's like, okay, okay. I'm not sure what the actual move is here for, for Dallas to make. Yeah, I'm not sure either. They're in a tough spot. They're in a tough spot for sure. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Looking for a better way to watch live TV? Stream your favorite sports and shows over 95 live channels with Hulu Plus Live TV. Get access to Hulu's entire streaming library, Disney Plus and ESPN Plus, all in one plan. Start your free trial of Hulu Plus Live TV today. Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Offer valid for new and eligible returning subscribers only. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com. Who is not in a tough spot is the Boston Celtics. My God. This Tatum season, which we have seen another huge moment since we last spoke, they are scoring... They've scored over 130 points uh, over the course of the last, what is it, three games? They've scored 134, 140, and 130. It's the first time anyone scored 130 or more in three straight games since 1968. Wow. And we talked about their offensive rating on our last episode. And then also adding to the history You've got Tatum with the 49 and 11 rebounds, 8 of 12 from 3 in his last game, and it's the second time in his career where he's had 45 or more points, 10 or more rebounds, and 8 or more three-pointers. No one else has ever done that in the history of the NBA, and he's done it twice. you got to have 45 or more, so I don't think that's like some crazy statistic. You got a 45 or more points, 10 or more rebounds, and hit eight threes. <laughs> and he's done it now twice. And he's obviously did it most recently just a few days ago. It feels like they, the Bucks, probably the Cavs, I think I would put in the mix with them. I feel like those in the mix, but not the same level. Yeah, but I feel like those three have kind of separated themselves. To, to me. Like, I think the Cavs, uh, again, do I think they're better than those two teams? No. But do I think they could play an unbelievable series against those teams? I mean, we saw early in the season, those Celtics-Cavs games, both yeah. overtime games were unbelievable. And I do think with the size that they have it, with the Cavs, that they could pose some problems for Milwaukee. But Milwaukee's just about to get Chris Middleton back. And it does seem like Boston has separated themselves and Milwaukee has separated themselves and look no further than those two guys because ever since the latter incident, if you go back to that in that Philly game, <laughs> the Giannis statistics are absurd. Like, <laughs> absolutely absurd. And the whole season for Tatum has been absurd. So you kind of have these two guys that are spectacular, night in, night out, and these teams that seemingly are head and shoulders above. We haven't seen Philly. I'm actually going to see Philly tonight, but I'm going to see a depleted yeah. Philly who just got ran out by Shake Milton the other good. night. Shake Milton's he has, been good. Yeah, he really has, good. but I mean, they got beat by a 1,000 the other night by Cleveland. They're not, they're not themselves yet. For sure. And they got to get their guys back and help is on the way with Harden coming back soon. It's obviously sure. going to be a little longer for Maxi, But Philly's got a chance to put themselves in that yeah. lump with Boston, Milwaukee, and Cleveland. Yes. For sure. But it's Bro- kind Brooklyn? of... Does Brooklyn have a shot? No. Okay. No. Because they don't have the size. Yeah. I, I, I to- agree. The, the lack of size there is what would really kill them. Even if they even if Durant, Kyrie, and Ben Simmons are all playing at a high level in the postseason, the lack of they, yeah. they don't have the beef. Somebody's gonna score ninety five points in the paint on them. Yeah. One of those one of I, those I teams, agree with you. You know? And so they unless they were to get somebody, you know, that could really man the paint, if they were to swing some kind of a deal where they can get a, a rim protector rebounder that can deal with the type of guys that you're gonna have to go up against in the Eastern Conference. Because you've even got like Tatum now 
not only is he knocking down the threes, I mean, he, this guy's gotten bigger and stronger and is finishing through contact and driving to the basket. And that's, and we're not even mentioning Giannis and Embiid yeah. and, and Mobley and Allen and what they've got. I mean, it, it, Brooklyn's too little. You mentioned like Tatum. Like, isn't it crazy how much better he is driving to the basket now? Yes. I mean, I mean, like he he's talked this season about how his body's developed, getting stronger. And like like I was watching some old video of him this season. Like you watch him in the past, he'd lower his shoulder. He'd be getting bumped off. And and now he's the dude kind of plowing through defenders. You know, he's so he's a better passer now, better driver. Taking fewer mid deep mid range jump shots, career low only ten percent of those this season. Career high from the free throw line, career high amount of shots from behind the arc. He's just I mean he's put it all together physically, and his choices on the quarter are helping make him you know the best version of himself that he's ever been. Yeah, and I saw this uh, I saw this Instagram post. It was I think it was basketball playbook or it was something like that. Um, forgive me. It was one of those like now. On Instagram, there ain't nothing I follow that shows up on my feed. I know you could click a little button, but I'm well, saying why, why? Why don't they make on Instagram on the top? You have to go to the top left. I know. You click Instagram and you click following. I know, it, but why? Do, why can't you make that your default? Like on Twitter, I don't know. You can make it chronological as your default. Why can't That's I right. do that on Instagram? Why do I have to click twice to do it? Right. It's not a big pain in the ass to do, but it's still a pain in the ass. So I forget to do it. Now, in fairness, their algorithm's pretty good because I do find myself interested in things that I don't follow. But there was like a basketball playbook one, and it was like they have like a graph and they show the play with like numbers and like dots. And then they're showing the video like on top of it. And there was this post and it was like, it said something like, this is disrespectful. The Celtics ran the same play three times in a row or something like that. And I'm like, it's not really disrespectful because yeah. it works. This is but, disrespectful, all yeah. capital letters. <laughs> yeah, right. The disrespect. Um, but it was basically, you know, two screens at the top. Tatum comes around them. And there were three different outcomes to the way he played that. One was a kick out to the corner where they buried a three. One he drove on it. It's like, this guy is, you put the ball in his hands, you set some screens for him. and he he has now gotten to where he is really playmaking and can kill you every different way. You know, if he's drawn the extra defender, he'll kick out and they get a wide open three off that thing. And if they don't, he could power straight to the basket and he could finish through contact. And then if you lay off him, he just shoots threes. He's special this year, man. Special. I saw him in person earlier this year, and I was like, whoa. He looks bigger. He looks stronger. And he just looked. I said this on an episode. Like, he looked like a real superstar for the first time to me. Where it's like, this isn't just like an all-star, awesome player. I know what you mean. This looked like. I'm the best player on the floor by a wide margin. You could take somebody that's never watched basketball, take him to the gym, and say, who's the best player? And they would say, that guy, number zero, give me him. Because he was just unbelievable. I mean, Tatum's been around forever, it feels like. Yeah, right? I know. But, but like, and like he's been around in playoff runs, Eastern Conference Finals, obviously makes the finals last year. And it's always been ahead of schedule, right? And now I, I agree with you, Chris. Like, there's been glimmers, there's been moments, there's been stretches where you're like, oh my God, Tatum looks like a megastar. Yes. Uh, but this is really the first season. Like, he said, he said it a couple of weeks ago. He says he feels like he's starting this season the way he ended last regular season. I mean, it's carried over. The interesting thing to monitor with him will be he tends to always finish his seasons better than he starts. I wonder if that could follow the same trajectory, like, could he get even better, right? Like, is there even more Tatum could do with, you know, even higher usage? I mean, that's, you know, for playoff time, maybe. Um, but that's what they could need at some point. Because like you said, he can play make, man. Like, he can, he can distribute the ball if needed. If he needs to have the ball in his hands even more, like, he, in a different offense, he could average seven, eight assists, right? Mm-hmm. But with Boston, they have so many playmakers, so many guys, Marcus Smart, Al Horford, you know, on the post, whatever it might be, they have different guys who can distribute. 
So you don't need that from Tatum. But he's at that level where he could provide it if needed. And also, by the way, we haven't even mentioned he's awesome on defense, too. We also need to mention that though they went through minor or major catastrophe right before the season's about to start, this Joe Mazzola's done a very, very good job. He's mm-hmm. put them, I mean, look at what their offense is doing. They're doing this, they're, they're down Robert Williams, who was a very important piece for them last year. Um, and when you've got your best player being that good and you're putting those guys in those kind of positions and the offensive numbers are as freaky as they are and the uh, the record is as good as it is, you know, that could have that could have really, really, really gone sideways for that franchise losing their leader uh, in Ime Adoka, especially given the circumstances of which. Um, and the players a, really like him, too. Yeah, they and they really had a guy like that's just him. able to move over, and they're even better. And so uh, you got to give this guy credit. That's not an easy... Uh, I, look, you could say... It's a great job to walk into, for sure. And he had experience with those players. He still got to coach them. You got to give Brad Stevens credit for that decision, too, for the feel to say, okay, the, the, even though he doesn't have this experience, he's our guy here. Because there's yeah. the rumors about them going outside the organization, finding a guy who who has experience, a Vogel, whatever it might be. Bring in, you know, it, it was interesting when the Jazz interviewed Missoula for the job. I was like, huh, Joe Missoula. They interviewed him, and, and it turns out like Boston ends up hiring as head coach. I mean, there, there's a... But in fairness, in fairness, that one, Danny had a prior relationship exactly. and knew that guy. They, Danny, But that's what I mean. Like, Danny Ainge knew, right? Like, yeah. he knew the potential of this guy, and that's why they wanted to interview him and Will Hardy. They would have loved mm-hmm. to have brought, brought both into Utah. Yeah. Boston well. was smart to retain him. The Missoula told us, you know, or t- maybe it was Tatum told a story the other day about how Missoula shows a picture of a sandcastle at, at every single film session or practice they have. And he says, because, <laughs> you know, you could build the, you know, the greatest sandcastle ever, but, you know, every day, you know, the tide comes in, the, it washes away. And the message is like, you need to build a new sandcastle every day. And, oh! and, like, and, and, Tatum, <laughs> and Tatum said how it's cheesy, but, you know, the team really buys into it. I thought it was kind of a cool message. And it's the truth, right? Hey, every you know. every day is a new one for this team, and it does seem like the way they play. We, we see championships, you know, teams, you know, or teams that make the finals end up sliding. It feels like the Celtics team, the effort in which they play with, the focus they have on the court, executing the game plan, it does seem like they're building that new San Castle each day, like sustaining it, keeping it up through April and then May, and then you know they hope June. That's a whole different thing, but it feels like they have jumped the, these hurdles already that a lot of teams that go deep in the playoffs often don't. And, and that that's really a testament to the coaching and them rallying around each other considering their controversy. Well, and you talk about these teams over the years where they can have either a conference finals run or an NBA run. And it can really go one of two ways Disease on the next more. season. Yeah, and it can go one of two ways on the next season, which is, does this make me burn a flame that is brighter than ever before, and now I'm out to prove something. We kind of thought that at the beginning of the season when you saw when the when the Bills came out the gate, and we were like, oh, boy. Now, that's a team that got their heart ripped out. They went and added some guys, and now they're, now they're ready to kill people. And I think that edge came with Boston. Likewise, I mean, look, it's, we just talked about, you know, there's, there's a lot of focus on how how sorry the 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 supporting cast is for Luca. It's not a radically different roster, and yet they're lamer than hell. And they just made it to the Western Conference Finals. We had it happen a couple of years ago, where it was Miami. You know, did not come out the gates. They didn't look like they were a team that had fallen short, and then it didn't look like necessarily that they're ready to go out and kill or be killed. Um, you know, we uh, it can go it can go one of two ways. And I do think it, they're still a young team, so I think that helps. But I mean, you just take in, into consideration because we're about to talk about the Suns. That Suns team is the one that got their hearts ripped out and absolutely humiliated 
by the Dallas Mavericks. And you look at the plight of those two teams right now. And not unlike what we were just talking about with Tatum, I think Booker's moving into, how do I say this? People have always known Devin Booker is an outstanding player. Not always. People used to call him a good stats, bad team player. That's fair. That's fair. Which was unfair at the time for them to say that. Let's say recently. Yeah. When people think of Devin Booker, they think all-star, all-star, one of the great players in the league. It's clear as day now, yes. But now, it's like, when you're able to be that guy, and I do think, as I said last, last year, I thought Booker's, I thought Booker's case when people would like bring him up for MVP or whatever was always going to be hurt by the Paul thing because since Chris's, despite the news recently, but, but since his arrival, (laughs) that lined up, that lined up with him getting that team and that franchise getting respectable to becoming a great team. And so when it, when you're, you're kind of splitting credit and now, especially in the absence of Chris, and you've seen Booker, and the other night he has this 51, and he doesn't even play in the fourth quarter. Unbelievable. I think you're seeing, we're now moving into, okay, this is a lot more about Booker than it is about just Chris coming over there or Monty coming over there and everything changing because he feels like he has gone up another level also. Should we just replay the conversation from last week? You know, where it's like, you know, why are the Suns good without Chris Paul, Jay Crowder, Cam Johnson? Because of Devin Booker. It's the truth, right? I mean, I think we saw that with a 51-point game, man. Like he, on 20 of 25, and he was playmaking too. Unbelievable. The 20 field goals is just yeah. crazy. Unbelievable. I mean, he he got whatever he wanted on the court. It looked, it looked like a guy doing a Kobe impression out there with some of the, the mid-range turnarounds, pull-ups that he was hitting. It's just a master masterful performance. I mean, I know people like to make fun of his, you know, 70-point game that he had against yeah. the Celtics years ago, but... Like, Booker's been a bucket for a long time, man. He He's just even better and more refined than he was, you know, prior to these good Suns teams. I mean, he's a better playmaker now. He's also a better defender. He's a better three-point shooter off the dribble. There's never been any complacency with him as a player. He's constantly gotten better. And, it, it, I mean, it's it's amazing to see. Like it, tru- it really is amazing the Suns are this good without Chris Paul. It is amazing. And Cam! And Cam, yeah. And I mean, Crowder, I, who was yeah. supposed to be on their team. Yeah, I mean, until he he had the... he. It's like we talked about with the Celtics. They've bought into each other. For, Crowder was the opposite. He didn't want to be part of this team, which is unfortunate for Phoenix, but and unfortunate for him probably too. But Devin Booker, man, I mean, what an absolute talent, man. I, I agree with you, Chris. The MVP argument for him in recent years I thought was weak because of the presence of Chris Paul. I mean, he... All NBA, all star, yeah, sure, no brainer. But MVP is a different level. Um, so I, I think I think this year there's a lot of MVP candidates, though, dude. Like it's Tatum, it's Giannis. If the Mavericks get good, Luca will be in that. There's so many guys this year that it's going to be tough for Booker as well. But I mean, he belongs in that for sure, in my opinion. Well, meanwhile, we have a couple of guys. Uh, there's a, there's a bunch of these guys that are putting up crazy stats on these you know, very mediocre teams, i.e. Curry, which they've been mediocre so far. And he'd Durant's, be in that too. Durant's numbers are freaky. Yep, KD especially, as well. Especially recently. And then to go along with Luka, I mean, you've got a bunch of these guys that are having these amazing offensive seasons. And yet... And by the way, is, just have, have to throw out the name Jokic too. I, I highly doubt voters will give it to him a third year in a row. No, but, but Jokic his team's is also good. Great, yeah, but his team's great good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's having another spectacular year, so... Yeah. Just, yeah just but I mean, the difference with him and those other guys is his team is actually good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? And they have played well. A lot of these guys are putting up these crazy stats, but it's not adding up to victories. One guy whose crazy stats are... Recently adding up to victories is Anthony Davis. Looks like old Pelicans Davis recently over his last eight games, 
30 points a game, 16 rebounds a game, four and a half steals and blocks, stocks, if you will, and he's shooting 60% from the field. That's the last eight games, and they've won six of eight. Like, this Davis revival has been kind of wild to witness because it's like he just morphed back in to that (laughs) guy that was routinely considered one of the best five to ten players on planet Earth when he was uninjured, which has always been an issue for him. But just recently, over the course of the last two weeks, what do we make of this, Kev? I mean, I know you had posted like, hey, here's the Lakers and here's their upcoming schedule. I, I don't think that we necessarily or anybody would have calculated that like with this Anthony Davis, this Lakers team is is much more formidable than the Anthony Davis that we had kind of gotten used to for the last year and a half because this one is the best player on that team recently. It's going to be interesting to see how this develops in the coming weeks for him because LeBron's back. They seem to be still playing through AD far more than they were early in the season. Maybe he's past that back issue that was bothering him when he was, you know, lumbering up the court, holding his back, needed to be pulled sometimes. He he looks totally healthy. I wouldn't think he's hurting at all right now. Um, but yeah, I mean, AD looks absolutely sensational right now. He's crushing from mid-range. Jumper's falling from mid-range. He's getting to the rim with ease. They're playing through him more often. And he's absolute dominant force. And defensively, all year long, he's looked more like his prime self. He is a defensive player of the year candidate. You know, Lakers as a whole need to get better defensively, but AD individually has been fantastic. So the overarching thing here for the Lakers is LeBron can still be the best player on any given night, right? Like he can. Maybe he's not every night. He's not the best player in the world anymore, but he still can be on any given night. You have AD playing sensational basketball. I feel like those two guys are getting near a point where the Lakers have to think, okay, what, what, is there anything we can do to make the most of this year? AD's playing like this. LeBron can still play at a high level. Can we really like not do anything? Are we just going to pat, you know, let this year pass by with these guys playing like this? So there was an article in The Athletic by Jovan Bua that said the Lakers are operating under a new timeline that the Lakers are awaiting the December 15th deadline, which is the date that most players who signed free agent contracts last offseason can be traded. And then when that day comes, so this is something to look forward to, it's two weeks away, the Lakers are reportedly weighing three different possible trade scenarios. Scenario one is the obvious. Russell Westbrook plus one or both of their tradable first-round picks, which are the 27 to 29 years, for a star or a package of multiple role players. Option two, some combination of Pat Bev, Kendrick Nunn, and picks for role players who better fill their immediate needs of shooting and size. Option three, two separate trades, one that would involve Beverly, Nunn, and a first-round pick, the other that would involve Westbrook and another pick. And he says, as of right now, the Lakers are leading towards options two or three. So, but they've got this six-game road trip that's going to play a part in determining how much they're willing to give up for the sake of immediate improvement. And those six games are the Bucks, the Cavs, the Raptors, the Wizards, the Pistons, and the 76ers. And so I guess we're going to see what they do in those six, but the, the idea is that that could go a long way towards determining what the Lakers do. And um, interesting that those names are being thrown out already, right? Like, yeah. we just got to wait until Patrick, like, w- 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 all the guys into the league are available. But Pat Bev would be better suited being on a younger team. Um, you know, these guys don't listen to him anyway. And <laughs> he just had that ridiculous Aiton play, which was an embarrassment to say the least. Um, and then Kedrick Nunn, like, if anybody can remember his best Lakers moment, then more power to you. But, I mean, I I can't think of one thing that Kendrick Nunn's done with the Lakers that I've even had an awareness of, truly. So, I guess he collects dust on the bench. But <laughs> maybe he can go play somewhere. 
But what do you think? <laughs> it just seems like that. Uh, I thought it was fascinating to say, like, we've spent so much time talking about Westbrook and the picks that these scenarios were a little more interesting. I don't know what you could get for Pat Bev and, well, the issue. and Kendrick Nunn. But, I mean, honestly, I mean, you're really, if you're, if you're moving off of Westbrook, it's to somebody that just wants that money coming off. 100%. Their books. And it's still a lot of money to take on, even if you do want it coming off the book. This is the tough part, Chris, right? Like, there's, there's what you want to do, and there's what you can do. Yeah. So I think for the Lakers here, they're still in a place where it's a waiting game. Like, who is going to become available? Who becomes worth giving up potentially both those picks and and a single deal? Who becomes available where you want to split them up, trade one pick with salary, whether it's Beverly and Nunn or whether it's Westbrook? Uh, And are there multiple avenues that become available? Because we just don't know yet. We we don't know yet. Like, we don't know if the Bulls are going to decide to pull the plug and say, you know what, we will trade DeMar DeRozan, right? We do want to rebuild and take our chances for the top four protected pick this year. We don't know that. The Jazz right now, they're sliding. They're becoming a team where maybe increasingly, the odds are increasing that they would end up moving a Jordan Clarkson, right? Somebody like that. Like, we we don't know yet. So I think for the Lakers, it's, we know what they want to do, and that's trade one first-round draft pick attached to Russell Westbrook. They don't want to trade both. Attached to Russ, they if they if they can get Buddy Heald and Miles Turner for one first round draft pick, that's what they prefer to do. The problem is there's other teams that would want Miles Turner too, right? Like if you're the Pelicans, you're you're this great team right now in the Western Conference. You're David Griffin. You have all these future first round draft picks. It is advantageous for you to add another center to your roster in that rotation who's better than Jonas Valanciunas, all due respect to him, Miles Turner is better, to give up two first-round draft picks to block the Lakers or a better value first-round draft pick to block the Lakers to keep them outside of the play-in. Oh, wow. Because you have their picks. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's, it's easy to foresee a team topping the Lakers' offer for Miles Turner and Buddy Heal. Like, I, I just... I have a hard time seeing that being the path for them to getting that guy. Not to mention Indiana's good and they want to win and they might want to keep Miles Turner. They might not even want to move him. So uh, who is going to be available? We we just don't know yet. We just don't know for the Lakers. Well, That's going to require time to pass. Wouldn't it stand to reason that they would probably, just because we know the name came up a couple of weeks or a couple of months ago, you probably try to revisit the Bogdanovich thing yes. with a different team now because now he's a Pistons guy. 100%. And when you did that, when you were talking the first time, it was with Danny Ainge and the Jazz. And he didn't want to move Bogdanovich to the Lakers. And they made an offer, including one of those first round picks, as I reported before. And the Jazz said, no, they'd rather dump him <laughs> to the Pistons. So they may be able to extract him from Bogdanovich or from the Pistons. The, the tough part there, though, is, you know, I, I wrote about this a couple of weeks ago. Dwayne Casey loves Bogdanovich. Uh, and the Pistons are so bad. Granted, they win, you know, last night. Bogdanovich drops 30. But they're, they're so bad overall that they don't, they don't need to move Bogdanovich to have 14% lottery odds. Unless they do, right? I mean, unless they do. Right now, they have the third worst record in basketball. What if they end up moving down to five or six? Maybe they do need to move Bogdanovich. Well, and you're still in the... With them... You're still in the asset collection phase. You are. I agree. And they. And by the way, I think I think it's a no brainer. They should move Bogdanovich. Of course, they should. And I, you know what? You know what's going to happen too. They're gonna. That's going to look brilliant because they signed him up to a contract, which is a reasonable contract. Yep. Going forward, so the guy, you're not worried about him walking at the end. They played this right. Oh, perfectly. They're gonna, they're gonna get more than what they gave up. They're gonna. They they bought. They got him cheap. And then they're going to flip him, and they're actually going to get back a better assets than what they had to give up to get him in the first place. I, mean, I mean, they gave up nothing. I know, nothing. Nothing. It's, nothing. It's impressive what, what they're going to be able to do here. They should move him. And, and, the, and he should be a top target for the Lakers for sure. Yeah. I wonder who else. Like, If the Bulls are the interesting one to me, mm. if they were to decide to pull the plug on their situation there, if you can get DeMar DeRozan, Add him to the mix with the Lakers. Imagine if you upgrade from Russell Westbrook to DeMar DeRozan, which you know they could have and should have done at the time. But that 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 adds such a great new element for them. 
with what they need this year. But what is pulling the plug if you're the if you're the Bulls? It'd be willing to move anybody. Damar, Levine, Vooch. I mean, I think I look at it. Lonzo, and I go, who's obviously sidelined now. Well, and I think with the with the Levine thing that you could probably move him and you could get a lot back. Like yeah. I don't think that I don't think you've got to bottom out. And I'm sure that if you're a Chicago fan, you're not real interested in bottoming out. They just did it. They won 27 games, and then they won 22 games, and then they won 22 games, and then they won 31 games. Like, they went through this. And you know what it got them? It got them Wendell, uh, who they moved. It got them Kobe White. It, it got them Patrick Williams. I mean, they just had the fourth pick in the draft a couple years ago. I mean, maybe the, be- the, the, the one we probably like the most is the guy they got like 30-something in the second round. I owed the soon move. Mm-hmm. You know, he'd be the one that I'd be most attached to. But I mean, they they had, they played that. Let's suck and get good lottery picks. And they ended up with Wendell Carter, Kobe White, and Patrick Williams out of it. So I don't think that, I think that'd be probably be a tough sell amongst uh, amongst Bulls fans to go back to bottoming out. I think you could probably you would know, be. I well, mean, we've, seen, we've seen a lot of these teams build from the middle. We have. Sometimes the lottery balls don't bounce your way. Sometimes they do. Like you I know, get you, it. But the teams that have built from the middle have also had a lot of success doing it that way. And there's always guys that are available. Yeah, it's also a new new front office as well. Garpax was the, the That's right. The front office overseeing that rebuilding phase. And now you have have AK in that yep. front office. I, I would trust AK more given his history with the Denver Nuggets. Than I would with Garpax. I think it, I think it's a it's a new day for yep. for the Bulls here. So I mean, yeah, you don't want to you don't want to go straight into a rebuild, but you kind of rushed into this phase where you're trying to compete and it's failed, it's flopped. So what are you going to do? Keep it going or try something new? I'd try something new. Yeah, I think you could try something new. I'm just I'm just against getting rid of all of it and then just starting over from square one. I do think you've got you got pieces there you could build around. It might not just be a good fit with what they've got. Um, and I think you could get a lot for Levine. I think the return you could get for him is is really good and would be more substantial than maybe what he's giving you. The tough part for them is the fact that, you know, Vooch is going to be a free agent this coming offseason. That's Rose not tough. No, That's no, not tough. What, you throw him the peace sign. <laughs> yeah, but what I'm saying is, it's like you, you could lose him for nothing. DeMar is a free agent the following year. You could lose him for nothing. So, like, this does have an expiration date is my point. Oh, with yeah. The, with, with these veterans that you brought in to try to compete, there, there is, you know, a line here where they're going to have the ability to go. And what are you going to do? Who are you going to bring in? With what cap space? Yeah. Like, what are you going to do? So, I think for the Bulls here, they, they need to be proactive. Granted, it's only top four protected with, with reshuffle in the deck here, which they could become a team for the Lakers to make a move with or somebody else. Man, we got to start using Apple Cash. All right, why? It's so easy and convenient. Apple Cash lives in messages. Okay. So I can pay you in convos we're already having. Not forget a payment or have the money sitting somewhere just collecting dust. Hmm, that's actually kind of nice. And then you can use that cash right away and buy stuff at like a store with Apple Pay. Oh, so I don't have to do all the bank transfer stuff. Nope. It's just right there. It's easy, convenient, and secure. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? See how easy that was? Services are provided by Green Dot Bank, member FDIC. Terms apply. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. One of the teams that you mentioned a, a few minutes ago was that Pelicans team. You're talking about maybe they could block the Lakers. Um, they are in a very, very powerful position right now given their record, their offensive rating, defensive rating, and also all of their assets. And more importantly, this Zion game the other night Oh, man. Holy mother. I mean, <laughs> you know, I had talked about on Tuesday how this guy, if he if he ever, like, just decided I'm going to dedicate myself 
to getting in the best shape of my life, he would be, I mean, uh, just good luck. Because it's already, when he gets the ball in his hands, and you saw him when McCollum and Ingram are out, and he's just that guy, he's the guy. Make no mistake about it. There is no sharing this. There is no, right, like the field goal attempts are going to be spread out everywhere, and he's playing like, uh, he was like the superstar on that team the other night, and he looked like a superstar. And it's crazy because I felt that way. Same thing was happening in two different places. And I'm not saying that you're better off without those guys, but it's fascinating to watch, and I think it's a, sign for the future that in the absence of some guys, you have some players that prove like, boy, if you just give them the stage, watch out. And that was these two just behemoths in Edwards, Minnesota, who I watched demolish the Grizzlies and Zion for the Pelicans who had one of the great efficient nights of the season thus far. But both of those guys, it's like, geez, man, you could, you could, you could have <laughs> those guys out there as role players and you get to see a different, you get to see a different gear to them that we don't always see. There's no stopping Zion. There's just no stopping him. Did you see the play he had against Toronto where he kind of drove through four guys? Oh, my God. I think it was Scotty Barnes defending him on the left wing as Zion brought the ball up, and then OG kind of came over from the right and helped. And then (laughs) I think it was Coloco who was in room protection, and then Siakam came over to help, and it's like four red jerseys. What does it matter? (laughs) It's like a superhero. It is. It just makes no difference. (laughs) It doesn't matter. It makes no difference, and I do wonder, like, you know, do you, the trick is going to be, do we see that Zion when they're fully stocked? Can you get that level of Zion because that's a scary proposition. And you wonder, because he plays, right? Everybody's, everybody's got a role on the team. And while he's having an outstanding season, it's like, geez, man. Like, there's, a, there's only one basketball. And you got a lot of guys that are really good offensive players. And so there's, there's two sides to that. Are you better off with him being one of? But I think that you saw the other night, like, Man, you might be able to just surround this guy with the with the Alvarados and the Nances of the world. And <laughs> good, again, good luck. Who was stopping this guy when he decides, I want to get to the basket? I really felt that way the other night with Edwards too, Kev. I watched that Anthony Edwards game. That's as good as you could see him. He had 22 of the last 34 points that he either scored or assisted on. And it was... A little more open court in the absence of towns, but more importantly, that was a guy that clearly looked up and said, All right, Carl Towns ain't here anymore. Time for me to cook. And man, did he ever. Yeah. Woof. That's the Edwards that I think we thought we were going to see, especially after he talked so much trash to uh, Juancho Hernan Gomez over the summer. (laughs) (laughs) he was hey he was if anybody saw that game he was yelling like that at at the Grizzlies it was exactly like the movie (laughs) it was to the point where they got so mad and so mad at the officials that Morant and Brooks both got thrown out of the game and I know that that wasn't all about the officials I think it's because Edwards was scoring and he's one of those guys and it was a taste of their own medicine in a way because they talk so much crap. Yeah. That boy, he was barking. He, he he's the kind of guy that beats <laughs> you and lets you hear about it. And I think the frustration just boiled over. But man, oh man, was he awesome! Awesome. Yeah. He looked he looked like the guy we expected, as you said, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I I hope I hope he's able to keep that up. The way we saw him close in the playoffs was. Unbelievable, dude, right? Like yep. getting downhill, scoring efficiently. 
I mean, he like he's not Zion on drives to the rim, but he's huge himself. Hard to stop, big, burly scorer. I mean, his ability to get downhill, he's somebody who you, you put a guy in front of him, he can plow through him. So oh. I think with, with Anthony Edwards, it's going to be interesting to see the way this team performs w- without Carl Anthony Towns. Because I think, you know, even though Edwards hasn't matched his postseason production, he's been pretty comparable to what he was last regular season. Mm-hmm. It, it's been Cat who's been underperforming. Yep. Not Rudy Gobert, not Anthony Edwards. It's been Carl Anthony Towns. So how does this team perform without Cat? I know like you and I, Chris, disagree on the Gobert thing, but can we at least agree that it's possible Ants and Gobert can grow together as a pick-and-roll duo? I mean, he still doesn't pass to him. <laughs> he doesn't. He sets that high screen. He can't catch the ball, Kevin. He really can't. He can catch the ball. I mean, if he's right underneath the basket alone and just puts okay. it up and dunks yeah. it, that's so, how he so got he that. So he can't dribble the ball. Then. That's fair. No, but I'm saying, but, I'm saying, like he has to be standing there. You can't throw it to him on the run. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can. Yeah, you can. Okay. Yeah, you can. It's, it has to be a. It has to be something he finishes. I'm saying like something above the rim. He can. But I mean, unless you're throwing alley oops to the guy. Yeah, you don't look. You don't want Gobert dribbling. You don't <laughs> no. want him putting the ball on the or floor. or moving. But like the thing is, is that that I pulled up the stat. Gobert this season. In the in the pick and roll, when he sets a screen, he receives the ball three times per game, and the Wolves are scoring one point two points per chance he does. That's a great number, one point two. The past five seasons with Utah, he also scored one point two points per chance he received the ball on the roll. Except he received the ball six times per game, double. The, like they're just not putting him in positions to score the way he did in Utah. He's still protecting the rim at an elite level. 0.89 points defended per pick and roll over the last five seasons. This season, 0.87. He's still an elite pick and roll defender. He's still an elite finisher. He's just not getting the ball as often. Cat is the guy who, once he comes back, needs to figure out how to adapt. Cat needs to figure out how to defend more in the wing. He needs to figure out how to play this different role on offense. He needs to get his shot right. It's on Carl Anthony Towns to evolve. It's going to be very fascinating, Kevin, to see how they perform without him. Exactly. And if, he, and if they perform well without him, yeah. what does that say about the future of Carl Anthony Towns? What does it it, say? Means, it means he's going elsewhere. If yeah. They perform well without him. Now, the question is going to be, can they perform well without him? And that we'll find out. We will find out. I mean, they, may, they, may, they might be no better, no worse, which also would say something, too, when you're a max-level player isn't, you know, the loss of him isn't impacting your team. Possibility. I really don't know. I mean, Memphis was so bad in that game. They They were. Terrible. I mean, they turned it over 27 times. The big problem was, I mean, they they out-rebounded the T-Wolves by 30. That was a weird one. 30. Gobert had the least amount of rebounds he's had in his life, literally. He's never played a game where he played over 15 minutes and had one rebound. Strange, right? Well, his rim protection against Morant was really good, though. Didn't let him get to the basket. Two of 11 of Ja's shots were in the restricted area with Gobert on the floor. Seven of 11 of them from mid-range. And only two of the free throws he took were while Gobert was on the floor, too. Gobert just didn't let him get to the basket. Look, the, the free throw thing is with Morant and the entire team. The Grizzlies, for people that watch, Especially when it comes down to end of games, they that's the worst free throw shooting team I've ever covered. Ever. Mm. They can't make anything. They're in the sixties. You know, and that's a big way towards going towards your offense. Like we talked about the Celtics last week. Like we were talking about they take the most threes, they make the most threes, they shoot the highest percentage. And then we said they also shoot 85% from the line. I mean, with all of these teams that are trying to get shots in the paint and knock down threes, like it's essential that you can make free throws. And, and that was obviously not the case in, in that last game that they played. Um, but yeah, I, I, think it's, I think it's worth monitoring. And I do think that it's going to force them into something that should have been the case anyway, which is Edwards being the man. Without question, he's the man. 
We're riding and dying with him. And I do think that that, you know, to who much is given, much is expected. At least night one of the, there's nobody better than me or nobody that should be getting the ball on this team except for me. And I'm going to, I'm going to get us home. Night one of Edwards being that guy and very clearly his team was a, a rousing success. Now the question is, can you can you keep doing it? But I do think that that I mean, I, I told you they should have built around this guy in a, in a way differently than what I thought they did. Anyway, I think they are, Chris. They are building around him. They're building around Ant and Gobert is Gobert is the protector on defense and the lob thrown on offense. He's not a good fit with him. He's not. He's not a good fit with him. I disagree. Let's say they trade Cat for other pieces. You're going to have an ant go bear pick and roll with spacing. And you're going to have a situation where sometimes if a team switches screens, they often put the weakest defender on Rudy Gobert since he can't post up. He can't dribble. If you're going to be switching that screen, it's going to create an advantage for Anthony Edwards in isolation. And, and that's what you want him doing is, is attacking mismatches. So I, 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 I believe it can work. I think it can. It's just, it, like, it can work with Cat. It's just Cat looks lost on defense. We talked about it last week where he's like doing the things a center is supposed to do instead of the things a wing is supposed to do. It's like habits that need to be broken. And his shot's just not falling at all right now. I don't know how much of him being out during training camp preseason has to do with that, but he just hasn't looked like anywhere near what he was in the past as a scorer. I think it can work better. I think part of it is he's not playing the five. He's yeah. playing the five. He's quicker. He's more agile. He could play big. But that, that, big that doesn't fives explain missing open shots, though, either. I think he's in a. He, I don't think he's in a good spot for his talents. I think he's massively effective as a five, especially in this day and age with the way the NBA is played. Having a five that can shoot forty percent from three and stand out and space the floor in the manner mm. that he did is, it's a devastating proposition. And the other thing is he could hold up against all the ones that aren't, you know, Embiid and Jokic. And there's just a handful that are going to be the guys that can really kill you offensively on the other team. For the most part, you know, the good outweighs the bad with playing him at the five. That's what I felt. And I think that not a power forward right now to me. Having to run around and chase those guys, I think it makes you worse defensively. He's a lumberer. Yeah. He's not a he's not an athletic guy, you know. Next couple of weeks are going to be interesting without him. Very that's interesting. Sure. Yeah, that's for sure. I'm excited. Um, season the, the teams are scoring a ton. We've got these unbelievable individual performances that are going on. Um, we we missed anything? Any news this week? I don't think so. Horford extension. Did we mention that? Yeah, I mean, it, I think that was like a thank you <laughs> more than. You know, like having him around, hopefully he'll be able to contribute when he's 39 years old. But even if he's not, it's Udonis Haslam. We appreciate what you brought to the team, <laughs> right? Be the keeper of the flame. Be a great veteran presence. He's still a really good player, though. How about poor Udonis? They threw his ass out there on Oh, oh yeah, Tatum. Tatum. Yeah, yeah, you see that video like, recorded courtside? That's crazy. Come <laughs> on, man. This guy should be, yo. No offense, but I mean, he's he's not playing basketball much all anymore. And now you're going to, I was like, are they just going to put him out there so he takes this guy's head off and hurts him or something? <laughs> like, you know, they do like in hockey, where they used to bring out, bring out the goons. Yeah. <laughs> they're just going to have him, they're just going to have him send a message and throw Tatum in the sixth row or something. What else is he doing? Like, he, he ain't guarding him. So unless he's out there to hurt him. Kick him in the nuts or something. I don't know what. I don't know why they got this dude out there. Um, last thing before we get out of here, a massive thank you to all of you that have sent us via social media all of the Spotify raps and all of the. Uh, I know all all the different platforms now kind of have this year end thing and sending us screenshots. Um, of all the minutes that you've listened and where we rank on your podcast that you listen to. That was the day that that dropped, I guess, earlier in the week, um, Wednesday was massively overwhelming. I went and checked my 
Twitter feed and my entire Twitter feed, as long as I could keep scrolling, was screenshots of people's, mm. right? And so that made me feel uh, unbelievable. And we're, of course, indebted to all of you. We're certainly very appreciative of all of you that uh, listen to this podcast on a weekly basis. And I, I, I was stunned at the amount of minutes that were listening. <laughs> it's like 3,000 3, minutes It's crazy to, <laughs> to see the minute. It's crazy yeah. to see the minutes um, of the podcast. But anyway, yeah, I know uh, I speak for you too and saying an enormous uh, thank you to all of you. We're incredibly appreciative. Seriously, it meant the world. I was, uh, yeah, I shared as many of them as I could on Instagram, on Instagram stories. And it was always cool to see the messages attached, you know, with people saying, oh, you make my commutes, you know, yep. fun, you know, you make you make my work days better. It's, you know, you made definitely our weeks better too. You know, you make our, you know, lives better. It's, uh, it meant the world to see that. Um, and it's been cool. Like this is year seven of us doing this, Chris. And long time to, to connect with listeners, you know, all over the years, see some familiar names in our Twitter feeds. Um, it always means a lot when you guys reach out on Twitter or Instagram, whatever it is with your thoughts about the show, comments, whatever it is. Um, uh, but seeing those Spotify raps, um, blows my mind seeing that Chris, it really does. It, it's, it's really cool. Super awesome. Thank you, everybody. Uh, Thank you. And thank you to our executive producer, Jesse Lopez. As always, Kevin, I will talk to you next week. Have a good weekend, everybody. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8 a.m. I'm on holiday, I'm still sleeping. I also like ease, and the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side-by-side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today.